and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Tonight in the Mezcal Collective in downtown Los Angeles, Las Perlas DTLA, we had Angel Saints. We were launching the El Samaritano Mezcal, Mezcal El Samaritano. Never heard of it? That's all right. That's why we made the podcast. Learn as you go. Check it out. We tried the first the Espadín, and then the Torbala, and then the Ensemble. Mexicano. Oh, the Mexicano, which recently rolled, uh, won double gold at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Be sure to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means don't break the bottle of Mezcal. It took a lot of people, a lot of time and work to bring that spirit to you. It's precious and magical. Cheers to you. Stitchy Bayou. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. That was an excellent slow clap. That was good. Right? Yeah. People are enthusiastic. Absolutely. We started a little bit late. You can feel the enthusiasm in the room. We started late because there's so many people here tonight. That's awesome. I love it. Woo! Let's go. Did you guys... Is this like purely random or did you guys know that we're having the El Samaritano launch party here tonight? Like this is the first time that a lot of people, I would think, have tasted this mezcal, right? Absolutely, yeah. Right? Are we all first timers so. here together? No? Yes. I, there has to be some. How many people have had this mezcal before? Really? Where were you guys hanging out? You were hanging out at the liquor store when the truck liquor came store, in. Maybe they just they, it's, they, they it's love a, it that much. I mean, oh you goodness. know, it's a great mezcal, so. Well, this yeah. is going to be fun. I'm into it. I'm new to the brand. I tasted it, but in a blind situation. We'll talk about that. We'll yep. talk about yeah, all of that. Absolutely. But let's give it up for Mr. Angel Sayings. Thank you. El Samaritano Mezcal. Mezcal El Samaritano. Mezcal El Samaritano. Thank you. Thank you. So we got, I was lucky enough to be a judge in the San Francisco World Spirits Competition this year. And your guys, Mezcal, was entered into that competition this year. Yep. Pretty heavy-duty competition. Lots of, lots of, lots of ringers, lots of ringers in the mix. Absolutely, yeah. And you guys came away with a double gold. Gold and double gold, because we entered two of our Mezcals. Wow. Um, it was our, yeah, thanks. Round of applause, yeah. It and was, um, what's funny is that we didn't have our product here just yet. So what we did is we, um, we sent over a few samples from Oaxaca. Um, and yeah, so we got, we entered our Espadín and our Mexicano. And the Mexicano got double gold and our Espadín uh, was awarded with a gold. So, I mean, that's huge for a mezcal not even um, introduced to the, to the states just yet. So. so now you're in big trouble because you're in Southern California. Absolutely. We drink a little bit of mezcal around here. A lot of mezcal. And, a and lot. So if this is how you guys are getting response when technically you guys are just brand new to the shelves here, that's yeah. really crazy. That's really yeah. crazy. Yeah. So you guys were in that competition. The, event, the results came out. But you're not even on the shelves yet in Southern California. And then also, you had a baby, right? Like that you personally, you did not have a not baby. Not me, but... If that, I would be right. like, breaking news, man has baby. 
No. Now he's still drinking mezcal. No, actually, my partner Roxy Montalvan, she just we we just gave uh, birth to a baby girl. She's two months. Camila signs. Um, so we were on timeout for a little bit. We That's took right. a break, and um, she, like I said, she's two months now. So it's time to to hit to, to bring her to, to the bar. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. Can't do that. It's not legal. <laughs> Don't bring your baby to the bar. So you've got a babysitter tonight. We got a babysitter. Okay. We got grandma at home taking care of our... We have a four-year-old, and now uh, Camila signs a little well, two-month-old. So it's, congratulations. it's fun. Thank you. Thank and you. this new brand. So how did this whole company start? Where did you get the idea that you wanted to be bringing Mezcal to the States? Absolutely. So the whole thing started uh, about three years ago. Um, both Roxy and I, uh, we were on vacation in Mexico City. We were introduced to Rafa Juan. Rafa Juan is a small distributor in Mexico City, a mezcal distributor, and he was really the one that introduced us to the wonderful world of mezcal. Um, he um, really gave us a mezcal 101 education. He gave us a little history about it. Um, we bought a few bottles. And uh, we came back to the States. We obviously drank our bottles. We loved it. We started doing some research on mezcal. Uh, the more research we did, the more intrigued we were about it. I mean, it was, it's a wonderful spirit. Um, so I kept in contact with Rafa. I reached out to him, and I was like, hey, you know, are you guys uh, importing yet? He was, uh, he was like, no, we're not. But Ambrosio, which is the producer, the guy that makes this stuff, he's definitely interested in bringing, you know, and exporting his product. He's like, why don't you come out to the Mezcal uh, Festival in Oaxaca, which takes place around the same time as La Gelaguetza. So both Roxy and I went down there, and that's where the introduction happened um, to Ambrosio Martinez Blas. He's a fifth generation producer. So he's been doing this his whole life, making Mezcal. Uh, we were introduced to him, to his wife, Tina, and his son, Bochin. Um, they, you know, they brought us into their home, uh, into their palenque. Their palenque is where they actually make the mezcal, where they have the earthen pits and um, the, the actual di the copper distills where they make the, the mezcal. So uh, make a long story short, um, I, I asked them, I was like, hey, so, you know, I'm interested in exporting your product and, you know, and, uh, and distributing in Los Angeles. Um, and he asked me, he was like, well, what experience do you have in, you know, importing and distributing mezcal? And I, I mean, I was very transparent with him. I I told him I have none, zero, zero experience. Um, but I did tell him I had a lot of experience in drinking. So, you know, we kind of- It kinda, sounds like maybe you were both drunk. Well, we were, yeah, by, by like, then, well, not drunk, but we were definitely drinking. So uh, we both laughed about it. Um, and then he was like, no, seriously, what experience do you have? And I was like, I wasn't kidding, I have none. Um, and to be honest, I'll never forget his words. He kind of looked at me straight and he was like, Está bueno pues, vamos a darle. And that's really, we shook hands and that's really what started the whole business relationship. Um, three years later, that's we're here. It's called a high risk individual yeah, Absolutely, right absolutely. Uh, three years later, we're here. Um, we got a gold winner and a double gold and we ha we're getting a lot of great feedback from our product, so. What village is Ambrosio located in? So his mezcal comes from Santiago, Matatlan, Oaxaca known as the mezcal capital of the world. Some of the best stuff comes out of there. Um, and his uh, espadines come from um, Soledad de Salinas, which is about 50 miles south of uh, Santiago Matatlan. That's where he has his lots. The espadine, obviously, it's a cultivated agave, so that's where those agaves come from. Now, is that shared land? Because I know that uh, there's like uh, agrarian 
land reforms it's, in Mexico or like yeah. it, it's shared land a lot it's of times. It's leased land to um, especially to the Zapotec families, which okay. obviously Ambrosio is. Oh, yes. cool. And then is this Mezcal, was he producing for anyone else before he started making uh, Mezcal with you guys? Yeah, obviously he's a fifth generation Mezcalero. So he's been doing this his whole entire life. Um, El Samanitano is actually brand new. It's a brand new label. Um, it's been around for, let's say, let's say 10 years. But um, a known brand maybe out here is uh, the uh, one, first one that actually exported out was La, La, Niña, La Niña del Mezcal. Okay. Yeah, so that was one of his first uh, exports out. Okay. Um, We've but, done that yeah. here in the Mezcal there Collective. There you go, yep. Beautiful, that came from him, stuff. from Ambrosio, yeah. Um, so we're going to taste his first expression. This is the straight espadín. Straight espadín, uh, cultivated agave. Um, it's a seven-year, um, it takes seven years uh, for this agave to mature. Um, like I mentioned, Soledad de Salinas, that's where it comes from. Um, you know, stick your nose in there. Tell me what, what, what you get. And you're if, you're, if you're new to the world of Mezcal, one thing to understand is that when you get into the separate varietals, if it's not an ensemble, if, if you're just drinking like these separate varietals like Madre Puiche or whatever it is, the most sustainable of, of those at this time in the Mezcal world are going to be the Espadines. So if you're a big Mezcal head, try to find your favorite Espadine, knowing that it at this point in the development of the mezcal world kind of coming to america the massive growth that's going on in the industry the most sustainable varietal of the single varietal stuff is what you have in your glass right here so stick your nose in that glass breathe in gently through your mouth what are you reminded of as you smell this el samaritano espadin chocolate say again chocolate what else what did you guys say over here Clay, I get you on the clay for sure. It's really earthy. And what's the proof on this bottle? Um, it's uh, 85, uh, I'm sorry, 80 proof. 80 so proof. 40% alcohol volume. So are you guys adding water to bring it down to proof? Um, it is um, with water, right? They bring, it, they bring it down with water, only water, nothing else. Okay, because some, sometimes in, in the artisan world, they use the tails to bring it down to proof. Just water. Just water, water. to bring it down to proof. So that makes a pretty easy sipper. Super, I mean, this is elegant to drink on its own. Um, or if you're not into, you know, just sipping mezcal, it's the only one that obviously we would recommend to have a cocktail with, um, to mix it with, you know, anything else. But uh, so aside from that. We got notes of chocolate, we got notes of clay. What do you get? Why did this strike your fancy? It's like, I need to bring this to the States. To be this on, is a unique yeah. espadine. To be honest, it was, I was trying a lot of different espadines. I obviously went to the Mezcal Festival, so there was a lot of espadines that you try. As soon as I tried his, I was like, oh, what silvestre is this? What wild agave is this? That's, I, I, it didn't taste like an espadine to me. Um, he was like, no, it's my espadine. And I was like, whoa, completely caught me off guard. I, I just didn't expect that. And I was like, this is very delicious to me. It does give you a bittersweet um, aftertaste that just kind of lingers there, this funk that just kind of stays there after, after you sip on it. So that's what I got from it. And like I said, I thought it was a, a, a Silvestre. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Wow. So to me, I'm getting like a little bit of like lime and orange. It's very fruity, but then it's got this like, like to me, it's like an oaky smoke. Do you know what kind of wood he uses in that earthen oven it, to roast his piñas? It's uh, mesquite wood. But uh, fermentation takes place in pine oak. 
So pine wood. Okay. So his his uh, barrels are made out of pine wood. And how big is Ambrosio able to do? Like, how big are his fermentation team? Is like, how big is a batch essentially? It's uh, from the batch itself, he can make uh, 200 to 300 liters. So, so it's... to wrap your head around that in bartending language, one bottle is a bar liter. So he's saying that one batch is 300 bottles. All right, now. Some of the big distilleries out there in the world could probably spill that much down in the drain on a bad day on the bottling line. You understand what I'm saying? This is very, very, very small production. Absolutely. Um, how, how long is the fermentation, do you know? Fermentation varies anywhere from four days, could take up to even a week and a half, two weeks. Obviously, depending on the weather, if it's uh, hot, the hotter it is, the faster it's going to ferment. Um, the colder it is, then obviously the longer it's going to take. But it varies anywhere from four days up to two weeks. And is that because it's only wild yeast getting in there, or are you guys putting yeast in there to help the only fermentation wild yeast. happen? Only Again, wild a very like ancestral practice, not adding any yeast. So we know that yeast makes alcohol, but we've been drinking, as human beings, we've been drinking alcoholic beverages for 5,000 years. We only knew what yeast was. 187 years ago when Louis Pasteur discovered it, like, we didn't really know. So that makes sense that when you talk about ancestral style mezcals, they only do open air, wild fermentation, meaning only the wild yeasts are causing that fermentation. Absolutely. Because it's not like 500 years ago, anybody knew what yeast was. You couldn't get a bag of yeast and put it in your tina. It was like not possible. We didn't even know what it was. What it was, yeah. Amazing stuff. This is really nice. 80 proof, it's a little softer than some of the stuff I'm used to, but I think it's it's fruity, it's earthy, it's not too smoky. I'm into it. Cool. What do you guys think? You, you like this like Esparin? So, El Samatorano. El Samaritano. God. See, it's already starting. I'm first mark <laughs> in, and I'm already mispronouncing. It's terrible. <laughs> um, fail forward. <laughs> All right, so what is the second one here? So the second one is a tobala. So what? We're jumping all the way to tobala? Tobala. We're transitioning into tobala. Tobala is a wild agave. Um, it varies anywhere from 10 to even 15 years for it to reach full maturity. Um, this tobala is actually the way we transition into, say, someone that is not used to drinking a wild agave that can be overwhelming at times. I know for me it was at first. This is our transition. You still get the smokiness from the from the agave. However, it still has a nice uh, smooth touch and ending towards it. So why would you say that it's overwhelming <clears throat> for for a beginner, someone who's just tr getting into the mezcal world? What are the aspects of the flavor profile that you that are maybe off-putting or might be overwhelming? Definitely the it, it might be too empower the smokiness might be too empowering. However, and we'll get that into a little later when we try the Mexicano, and, and I'll tell you about the proof and all that. I mean, it just really depends what you're drinking. But some, for example, for me, the first time I had a wild agave, it was a little too uh, overwhelming. A lot of smokiness, a lot of, uh, you know, just a, very complex. A lot of stuff going on in there. Um, if I'm not, you know, I didn't know much about the mezcal world, so I was just like, oh, this is just too smoky. Like, I don't like it, or, you know, I'm not used to it. So this is a very smooth transition into that to that wild uh, silvestre agave, you know, 
whatever you want to call and it. And if you're not familiar, like on the wall here at Las Perlas, we've got a bunch of paintings of the different varietals of agaves. Now, Tobala, some people call it the queen of the agaves. It's very small a lot of the time. At full maturity, which might take like 15, 15 years, years, it might only be as big as a basketball or even smaller, maybe as big as a volleyball. And it's got like this beautiful kind of spiral rosetta with the, the fronds of the agave. It's really a beautiful plant, but it's kind of a strange plant. It doesn't grow where anything else grows. It only will grow like often in the shade of a, a scrub oak. So it, it's a really weird plant. Sometimes they, they have to harvest it from like the side of a cliff. It tends to be by itself. I can't remember. There's a little story about it that I'm, I'm losing right now, but it's kind of like the lonely queen. She prefers to be by herself. And so to harvest them takes it's a lot of effort, a lot of effort. in the wild. Because yeah. like, you know, if you imagine you're in the high desert mountains of Oaxaca, like these guys are going out on a donkey or a horse donkey to go mule, harvest yeah. these things. And they might be like, oh, there's a little green thing over there. You got to go all the way over there just to see if it's maybe mature, maybe not mature. Maybe not, yeah. And then harvest it or not. But then like you traveled all that way for a volleyball, essentially. And now you have to go find a bunch more. You yeah. know, it's like really, really hard work. So all that harvesting might take a couple weeks. And then that fermentation might take another couple weeks. Another and then weeks. the actual distillation, distillation, once they start that, they're going to run it 24 they hours until everything's done. And so we're talking maybe two to three months of work to bring this product to it's 300 bottles. Yeah. So you guys get what I'm talking about, why some of these mezcals are very, very hard like to get rare, your hands on right, at times. Absolutely. Like, and sometimes very expensive. Yeah. What do you guys get off the Tobala? Really good, okay. Very smooth. Very smooth. So really good is like a, a qualitative judgment. Smooth is a texture, not a flavor. I want you guys to think about food words. I want you to think about like, is it, or it could be a color maybe. This is really green to me. This is really earthy to me. What do you ladies get? You guys aren't talking to me. I want to know what you guys think. Oaky? Oaky. Sweet? What kind of sweetness? Is it powdered sugar or is it like molasses? Somewhere in between. Brown sugar, white sugar, honey, maple syrup. Oh. That's what Mescal does. She's got a sweet tooth. She's got a sweet tooth. There you go. That's what we're here for. We're here to find out about our own palates. So if that's what makes you hungry, you've got more of a sweet palate. I get that. That's cool. Peppery. Okay. It's really light to me. I'm getting like apple and lime. And then, wow. There's like a roasted chili thing going on. Maybe like roasted arbol. Absolutely. Yeah. Arbol chili. Well, wow, that's, that's, that's one of the beauties about mezcal is that everybody's going to get something different. I mean, all the flavors, the notes. Um, I'm getting like grape too, like purple grape and like yeah. a roasted chili. Miguel, what are you getting? Apple cider and blackberries. I, I said apples too. I was in there in that world. Steve, you got something on this one? Mothballs. Interesting. That's very specific. Not totally delicious to me. But, but everyone's got their thing. But I would say that that's almost like a... Um, ah, how would you define that? That's like something from the heads. It's something like kind of... Um, 
chemically like or it's also kind of vegetal like to me that kind of mothballs reminds me of some kind of intense green thing in a way you know uh, I don't know how to describe it something like cedary or yeah cedary to the point of bitterness like intense intense green wow that's beautiful what's the bottle price on this at the local liquor store at the lo local liquor store it uh, runs for $70 Seventy dollars. Seventy dollars for a Tobala. Tobala, right? That's a big deal. So Stephanie's coming around with the third mark that we're gonna try tonight. What is this third one going to be? This third one is an ensemble. It's actually the Maestro Mescalero's favorite. It's a combination of the Espadine, which you guys tried, the Tobala, which you've also had, a Madre Quiche, and a Tepestate. Okay. So it's a combina combination of four agaves, um, by far probably the most complex uh, mezcal that El Samaritano carries. Um, the, one of the beauties about the Tepestate, which is the last uh, agave, it uh, takes about 25 to 30 years for that to reach full maturity. I mean, wow. think about that. That's, I mean, it's older than some of you, I'm sure, like 30 years for it to reach full maturity. And, and also recognizing that these are wild crafted, that's a Silvestre. No one's like watering these plants. They are out in the high arid wow. desert mountains. They are soaking up only whatever they can. Whatever like they can, the yeah. fronds of the agave at night, they open up. And then as the sun starts to come up in the early morning hours, when the dew starts to fall on the desert, that might be their only chance to get water. That's how they survive. So once that dew starts to fall, the fronds of the agave actually flex back up so that they capture that liquid, and that's how they survive. But that is really intense idea to think that that plant, which is a lot of times descended from what used to be water plants, these are related to succulents and, and water lilies, these plants that essentially came from the water but adapted to the high to desert. The heat, yeah and they survive off of only the tiniest bit of water that they can muster gathering from the morning dew. It's insane. Yeah, absolutely. 25 years, and you're tasting all of that time, all of that age, all of that experience on Earth. That plant might have more experience on Earth than you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, purposes. it's an amazing agave. Um, that's the beauty of this ensemble. Um, it, he does use the same amount of agave for each, uh, so 25% of each agave pretty much into this ensemble. And it's uh, all, done, all made together from the beginning. So from the roasting of the agaves, he puts it all together. Um, from the grinding to the fermentation, everything's done together to make this uh, beautiful ensemble. And so, do you guys have like a, a burro or a horse to do your he tahona? He has a horse, has a, okay. a horse that pulls the tahona, which is, the tahona is the round circular rock that crushes the agaves to extract the juice. Um, and it's, and he has, uh, he has one horse, and he doesn't have a name, he just calls him El Caballo. El Caballo. And that's, that's the horse that pulls the, the tahona. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a beauty, this ensemble is, like I said, it's very complex. A lot of flavor, different flavors, different notes because of the four different uh, agaves. Um, so is he is he roasting all those four different agaves together? together. Oh wow, all that's crazy! And then distilling it all together. together. See, sometimes an ensemble might be separate batches. Like exactly. I made some 
tepestate, I made some tobala, I made some espadine. I'm aging them, resting them, and then Mixing blending it the after the fact. Out. But it's very traditional to just use whatever you have around. If there's several varietals around where you live, and that's what you can readily harvest, that's what you do, of course. Yeah. And so the ensembles have a rich tradition. That is probably the most common form of old world style mezcals would have been ensembles. Just using whatever you had, whatever wood you could find, whatever agaves you could exactly. find. Exactly, and by far that's why it's probably his favorite. I mean, uh, he did say that it took him a little longer to master this one, to get it right to satisfy his palate. Like, he loves this. This is what he greets you with when you go to his palenque. This is what he, uh, you know, what you, what you drink when you're eating, uh, when you're having a conversation. I mean, you, he drinks this stuff like water out there, and it's amazing. It's like good stuff, so... Enjoy. What are you guys getting? As you stick your nose in that glass and breathe in gently through your mouth, what flavors come to mind as you try this El Samaritano Ensemble? <laughs> wood? What? The woodiness comes through. What else? Say again? Pineapple. Beautiful. Beautiful. B-Dog, what do you got? Say again? A funky smell. Like cheese? What kind of cheese? Blue cheese, vanilla, wow. That's that long fermentation. Cameron says green peppers. What else, what else? Ooh, I like this one a lot. It's, like it's it? fruity on the nose, but I do get that real, kind of a roasted, roasted bell pepper kind of thing going on. Do you guys, because I know that a lot of times when they, they take those roasted piñas out and they grind them in the tahona, when they put them in the tina, there's, it's not really super juicy. It doesn't no. like have a lot of liquid in there. So do you add water to your fermentation to make it happen? They add water. Um, from my understanding, that's all he adds, just water, um, nothing else. No fruit juices, no sugar? Nothing. Like Aside from the pechuga, there's nothing else uh, that he adds to any of these mezcales. But this is not a pechuga? It's not, no. Ooh, I like this one. To me, it's like chocolatey, it's earthy, it's got those like petrichor, wet earth notes. People are grabbing bottles, look at that. Whoa, where'd she go? <laughs> My goodness, what's happening here? Three marks in and people are already coming up and grabbing bottles. My goodness. Chaos in the streets, it's all right. I love this one, what's you the like bottle it? price on this? Same, 70. 70 is uh, MSRP if you go to a liquor store or barkeeper or Anywhere at $70, so it's definitely a very affordable price for an ensemble with, uh, with those type of uh, agaves, which are wild agaves, so. Beautiful, wow. Yeah. And, and again, only 80 proof on that. No, that's a little more, that's at 42 volume, so what is it, uh, uh, 84, 80, 84 proof? 84 proof. Getting toward what I can get out yeah. here. Beautiful. So Stephanie's coming around with our fourth mark tonight. Now, when you guys entered the competition in San Francisco, you only had two marks. So how did you scramble and come up with four marks in the matter of like two months? So uh, here's a quick story about that. So when we, we were actually in Oaxaca um, around February, I think the competition was late March or sometime around there. Yes, we uh, were second, third week of March. Right. So we were working on bringing over a pechuga. Um, we were gonna bring over the espadine, the tobala, and the ensemble, and the pechuga was the fourth one that we were working on bringing over. 
So my partner Roxy had a taste of, you know, he had a, a, a jug. It wasn't even, it was a jug. She's like, what's that? He's like, oh, that's uh, Mexicano. <clears throat> He's like, it's a new agave that I'm working with. And that's why on the bottle itself, it says limited edition. It was his first time working with this agave, with the Mexicano. He had never worked with it before. Rocks, so, yeah. So in, to think about like why do different varietals of agaves taste the way they do? Think about like how variance, how much variance there are in terms of how big they are, the shapes of them. Some of them have like a barrel-like trunk and then the fronds come out. Some of them are small, like that Tobala, where there's a lot of skin to flesh, I would, I guess, the best way to describe <laughs> it. Um, well, the flesh of the, uh, the agave, the interior flesh of the agave. Um, but then also you've got these ones like Mexicanos, which can be massive, like, massive. like when they showed the Mayoel, Maya, Mayael, uh, the Aztec paintings, oh, yeah. it looks yeah. like a giant like space creature, this like crazy thing, like this goddess of she's made of fronds and she's got but that's the Mexicano. That's the Mexicano it's like yeah. the big burly, like it's got curly long fronds. It's massive. Like massive. those pinos could be like two hundred uh, pounds. Two hundred pounds. I was yeah. gonna, I was gonna say two hundred uh, you know <laughs> bigger than that. Yeah, like they're huge. I mean, they're they're really huge. Um, but going back to to the Mexicano, Roxy had a taste. She's like, this is great. This is an amazing uh, mezcal. Uh, she's like, Angel, we got to bring this one back. So I had a taste. I I liked it. Um, and we told uh, Amroso, we're like, hey, we want to bring the Mexicano. Let's leave the pechuga out. We got to bring the Mexicano over. He wasn't. Um, ready because he didn't have a label for it. He's like, oh, I got to pick a color. Um, you know, Roxy helped him out. She's like, well, Mexicano, why don't we do the label uh, red, green, and white, representing the name, the Mexican flag, obviously the name Mexico. So we bring over the, we send over the, the bottle to the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, and it won double gold. I mean, when we called Ambrosio to tell him that he won double gold, like he couldn't believe it. It's his first time working with this agave, and it won double gold. I mean, San Francisco World Spirits Competition is probably the most prestigious, uh, you know, spirits competition out there, at least in the States. So for him to win a double gold, I mean, it meant everything to him. Um, he couldn't believe it. I mean, to me, this bottle, this Mexicano, is a very well-balanced uh, mezcal. If you smell it, you get a lot of fruit, a lot of sweetness. And once you taste it, it's, it's something else. It's, uh, you get totally different from what you're smelling. Um, so yeah, it's super special to us and, you know. Did everybody get that fourth mark? Everybody's got the fourth mark there, yeah? Mexicano. The Mexicano. So stick your nose in that glass. And again, this is the launch party. This is the first time that a lot of people have ever tasted this mezcal. You guys give us some feedback here. Give us your tasting notes. Because your tongue is, is as smart as anyone's tongue. Because everyone's smell and taste is different. And so share your experience so that maybe you might turn someone else on to what they're missing out on. What do you guys get? Pine. Pine. Fruit. What kind of fruit? Is it a melon? Is it a berry? Is it a citrus fruit? Apple and raisin. Beautiful. Cameron, what are you getting? Paprika, my goodness. Smoked paprika? That's what I'm talking about. Steve, give me the word. 
We've got Steve White in the house from Las Perlas, Austin. What? Boom. Las Perlas, Austin. You guys, you've never heard of Las Perlas, Austin? Next time you're in Austin, you need to check out Las Perlas. This man right here. Right on, right on, right on. I'll come back to you. Miguel, what do you got? Sex? Is that what you said? What? Vinegar. Vinegar. Okay. You did not say sex. Brandon. I said sex. Oh, my. Oh, my. Anybody else? What are you guys getting for tasting notes on this one? Back in the back. Fish. Viscous? Citrus. Citrus. I like that. And he says it tastes good again. All right. We're going to work on your flavor notes, but I like the hand signals. That works for me. As long as you're happy, I'm happy, baby. I'm going to tap this over my tongue. Oh, I smell that clay again. Beautiful. And it smells like bread. I, I smell like, uh, bread? yeah, bread. Like, like a toasted baguette a little bit. Mm. Oh, yeah, it is fruity. And you get that spicy. That uh, To me, I get a lot of spice, like a little spice, a kick. I get that, like, clove, maybe, like a dark, okay. like earthy spice like nutmeg or clove but also i get that chocolate and apple that he was talking about that's beautiful wow mexicano he did really well yeah do you guys have any questions for angel says for these guys tonight here from el samaritano Honestly, the best way to promote El Samaritano or to help us out is go to your local liquor stores and just ask for it. Um, that's yeah, most, most mom-pop liquor stores out there, if they don't have it on the shelf, just ask them. They'll order it for you. They've got nothing to lose. They are enthusiastic about what you're enthusiastic about. You guys, thanks for coming out from Mezcal Collective tonight. Great turnout. El Samaritano. A new kid on the block, and you guys help launch it here at Los Perlas, downtown Los Angeles. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget. Drink to remember. Remember.